Welcome to Catch Outdoors. I'm your host, Captain Rob Modi's contact email is catchoutdoors at gmail.com. Website's catchoutdoors.com. Facebook page is Catch Outdoors. Admittedly, a personally ignored Facebook page <laughs> by yours truly. I'm going to fix that shortly, I promise. I have a couple of books available on Amazon, Kindle, Bridge to Paradise, a book of short stories, and some of my travel writing over the past 15, 20 years or so. Also, What I Know About Fishing Southwest Florida, labeled by readers as the book about fishing the salt along Southwest Florida's coast. Thank you for the reviews. Book three's in the works. Hoping for a summer release, but a whole bunch of things have suddenly popped up. Like my officially joining Waypoint Communications, i.e. Waypoint Outdoor Collective of TVM Podcast. As of June 1, yay, contract has been signed. Don't worry, my podcast will remain available via Apple Podcast and Spotify, but will be distributed by a dozen or so other podcasts for your listening enjoyment. Today's episode is number 34, titled Exotic Florida. Uh-oh, one subject today. <laughs> That's all, just one. <laughs> but it'll take every bit of 30 minutes or so to cover this subject of catching exotic freshwater fish in southern Florida. Focus will be on South Florida. Um, I know the most about it and, and most experienced there over the years. I'll, I'll, I'll get to a little history here in just a second. But it'll cover from the Palm Beaches all the way down to Miami. Um, this, is, this is a very freshwater catch. They do not tolerate brackish water, and they do not tolerate salt at all. So it, it's strictly a freshwater fishing event. And then I'll also be doing uh, some of Southwest Florida, too. Southwest Florida has finally gotten some over there over the past 10, 12 years or so. They started they started to appear in the Miami, uh, not Miami, Naples area, uh, along the canals, uh, down in the Golden Gate area a while back, but have become more prolific in that area. Um, unless a great big cold winter comes along, and I'll explain that here in just a second. So let's do that. Let's talk about the history. Um, first time I saw a peacock bass was while living in Kentucky, um, and it was on TV. Um, I think it might have been Roland Martin. I was I was mulling over that this morning. I can't really remember, but it was one of the bass guys, one of the bigger bass guys, and he'd gone to South America and gone fishing for uh, peacocks, butterfly peacock bass, as they're referred to. And uh, the ones in South America were huge. I mean, you know, we're talking, you know, 15, 20 pounders uh, would bite your lure in half. They were using uh, walking the dog style uh, wooden, you know, uh, 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 Zara spooks, things like that. And, I mean, literally, the, the lure themselves would get crunched by these fish. And I was utterly fascinated, both by the fact that the their ability to hit hard was fascinating, play hard like no other freshwater fish I'd ever seen. And they were beautiful. Uh, the coloration on a peacock bass is really something to see if you look it up. It's mostly bright yellow all over with some uh, dark stripes, like blackish-brown stripes. It's got a little bit of red on it. Um, it's They're just they're beautiful fish. They really are. Um, I moved back to South Florida in about 93, I guess it was, and, um, on a job transfer from, from Kentucky through Ohio down to, to Miami. And, um, there I was reintroduced <laughs> to something I had seen years ago, having no idea they were in the Miami-Dade canals. And there's a reason for that. 
um, there's, there's a bit of history. They were introduced by the uh, FWC, uh, Florida Wildlife Conservation folks, and through studies through several colleges from what I can glean. Uh, University of Florida, I think, had something to do with it, as well as uh, a college up in Georgia and a college in Alabama. They were, everybody was kind of involved in this study. And what it was is they wanted to introduce peacock bass to the waters because they were having a horrible time with other invasive species, mainly tilapia, uh, were literally taking over the canals of southwest Florida and eating everything in sight. Um, so the peacock was introduced to control that. Now, anytime something gets introduced into a Florida system, it's usually a disaster, but this is one that worked. Um, <laughs> I mean, it really, really worked. So in 1984, they put them in the water. It had a, um, a low water temperature um, intolerance and an intolerance to salt uh, and brackish water. So it was kind of restricted to one place. It couldn't go very far. The further north it went, the more likely it would die. Um, with uh, climate change and a little warmer temperatures, at least over the past eight or nine years, they've grown much larger especially in the Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach County areas. We, just, we have not had a knockout winter in years. Um, and it's it, 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 people are conceding the fact that the temperatures are a little higher because water temperatures in the Atlantic are higher. Um, so this trend has caused these fish to get much bigger. So here's how it worked. Early on, we'd have a cold snap on in South Florida that would last for a couple of weeks, and the water would get really cold. I mean, it might drop down into the 50s, and the peacocks would die. They're, that is not what they're... They're from the Amazon. They're not used to any type of cold water. But the smaller ones would survive. Uh, they don't know... I mean, from what I've read, the little fish would go down in the mud and hide in the mud and survive and then grow up. So when I lived over here in the 90s, a big peacock would be four or five pounds. That average would be a pound and a half, two pounds, like a decent bass, you know, a 12-inch to 14-inch bass. Um, and they, you know, the big ones were like an anomaly, and it was really something when you got one. And usually once you got one or two and everybody get all excited about it, a cold winter would come and knock them back again. So the whole process would start over and it'd take three or four years for them to grow. So anyway, that ha that hasn't happened in quite a while. So now we're starting to get these monsters. I I, I was going to look the record up and forgot, but I want to say the, the listed record is nine point something pounds, but we've had guys on boga grips with 12 pounders over here in Broward County. So... Uh, matter of fact, if you look up Florida Sportsman on Facebook, a recent photo of a young man holding one up, it's huge. Uh, based on his fingers that I can see under the fish and doing some measurements, I'd say that fish is probably 20 to 24 inches long. That's a peacock now, which would normally be like a 15, 16 inch big fish. So this thing's enormous. So anyway, they're growing. Um, the habitat has been good. They've been doing what they're supposed to do. They're eating in a mess of other invasives. And while they are technically an invasive fish, they have been introduced on purpose. So you are not instructed if you catch one to kill one. They prefer that you don't eat them, although I understand they taste good. I've never had one. I'm not much of a bass eater, period, So, or even a freshwater eater that much. But um, they recommend that you toss them back in so they can continue to do the job that they were intended to do. Um, their habitats are mainly uh, the waterways, canals, the lateral uh, canals and the north-south canals. They like gravel pits or, or large digouts uh, where they've been digging rock out, for example, phosphor pits, stuff like that, culverts, canal intersections. 
um, under fallen trees in particular. My gosh, they love living under trees that hang over a shoreline. Uh, but, you know, water temperatures below 60, no way. Salinity is greater than 18 parts uh, per thousand, no way. So th they are very, very uh, restricted in their movement. Now, over the past eight, nine years or so, as I mentioned earlier, they have gravitated across Florida through the cross canals, uh, which run everywhere, over into the Collier County area. And folks started catching them. Uh, Janelle and I moved over there in 2001, 2000, 2001, and I started hearing about people catching them shortly after that. So I want to say 03, 04. And now there are guided trips for people over there that actually go after getting a peacock. Um, the Golden Gate Canal was probably the famous one. That's where people started. You know, Golden Gate Park is there, and people started catching them around that area. So guess what? They made it over that way. I would have to imagine they're probably in the canals along 41, US 41, uh, probably in the canals along I-75. As long as there's no intrusion from salt, then you're, you're probably going to find them. Um, they spawn in April through September, with a big-time peak spawn in May and June. Uh, they prepare, prepare like a flat, hard surface uh, to lay uh, their eggs. They, they lay, uh, I recently read, they lay, lay between four and I think like 10,000 eggs at a time, and then they're guarded by both the parents, sometimes for several months. And you'll see these fish in May, June on these rocks, these flat-like, uh, slate-like rocks doing that. And they will pretty much ignore everything you throw at it unless you tick them off, and then they might attack it and you'll hook up. But uh, the chances of catching them at that time of year when the spawn are a little bit lower than, than other times of the year. They grow rapidly, um, 12 to 14 inches during the first 16 to 18 months, after which they become a lot heavier with each inch. Uh, <laughs> a 17-inch fish, for example, will weigh about 3 pounds. A 19-inch fish will weigh five pounds, so only two inches larger, you get a whole another two pounds of fish. They are hellacious fighters. They really are. There is, I mean, they're very enjoyable to catch, and so highly recommended. Uh, sporting quality from the FWC, I'll, I'll read this to you. They're one of the most popular sport fish in southeast Florida canals where it generates millions of hours of fishing pleasure for thousands of anglers who spend more than $8 million a year just to catch them. Uh, they're available to both boat and bank anglers using the same basic tackle as largemouth bass anglers. Small shiners are the preferred live bait. So I'm going to go into talking right now a little bit about tackle and stuff like that on how to go after peacocks. Ah, yes, the live shiner, the end-all, be-all of baits <laughs> for catching most uh, freshwater exotics in southeast Florida. So let's start with this. Let, let me give you rod, reel, just some basics on going after these. And then we'll talk about locations and things like that as well. Uh, I'm also going to mix this together with two other very popular invasive species that have shown up on the scene not too long ago. The clown knife fish, which is an amazing fish. Uh, and then who else are we going to pick on? Uh, there's several actually. Oh, uh, let's see. Snakeheads. Oh gosh, we got to talk about snakeheads. Mine cichlids. Oscars, that's one of my favorites. Uh, the Midas gold, the Midas cichlid. You got to see these to believe them. It, that's a. It looks like a gigantic goldfish with a hump on its back. Um, they're bright orangey gold. Just, I mean, you'd swear you're looking down at a goldfish if you see one in the water. But he's he's on steroids. <clears throat> we'll start off first with the um, 
with the peacock bass and talk about that. They like shiners better than anything else. If you really want to catch one, you need a bucket of shiners. Uh, rods, I use the same thing I use for salt. Uh, pretty, pretty regular stuff. Uh, seven footer, medium heavy, uh, nice light tip, you know, nice fast tip. So fast action. Uh, brand is your choice. Uh, you spend more. It's more fun in a rod, I think, because you can feel more than in a, in a uh, less expensive rod. So keep that in mind. I, I tend to side up with the basic manufacturers would be G Loomis and, and St. Croix. I like those both a lot, but you can pick whatever, whatever your, your favorite fishing rod is. I'm a saltwater fisherman, so I just simply use salt rods. I don't go into any special rods for fresh because it's certainly not going to hurt a saltwater rod to fish in fresh. And I'm used to casting those, so there you go. So a seven-foot rod is just about right for what you want to use. I spool up with braid. I use eight-pound braid on the spool. Uh, I like yellow, bright yellow, so I can see where the line is while I'm fishing it. And then to that, I will tie on a little piece. Of, I'll step it, basically, because I want to try to put on a 20-pound leader if I can for most fishing because uh, some of these bigger fish are pretty brutal on the leader, especially they can they can wrap you around stuff in these canals. There's all kinds of junk in there. There's you know sticks and twists and pieces of metal and tires and Lord knows what you might run into in one of these canals over here. So um, the uh, so what I do is I take the eight, eight pound test and I tie on a piece of fifteen. Okay, so same thing, braid, same color. So I've got maybe a, a 24 inch of uh, 15, and then I tie the 20 onto that. The 20 is a little too big to tie on to eight pound test without the eight pound test braid cutting through into it. No matter how fancy a knot or how good you are at tying, you risk uh, the the line itself. The braid is is sharp, uh, even though it's tiny, it's it's sharp and will cut through the uh, through the leader. So eight pound test. 15-pound test, and then a 20-pound test fluorocarbon leader of about maybe two feet long. And there I tie on the lure hook or whatever I'm going to use. I mentioned first off the bat live bait, shiners. Buy them over here by the dozen in, in the shops. You can also get them on the west coast of Florida as well. These are freshwater shiners, uh, specifically for freshwater fishing. Uh, they need to be chilled or cool. They don't do well in the heat. You need a really good bubbler uh, bucket. To use them in, I use an insulated bucket, a bucket that's got styrofoam inside of it, and then of course a bubbler on it. Uh, and then I'll also put a cold pack inside. I'll drop a little cold pack in there just to help keep the water cool. One of those lunch type cold packs. Uh, I'll usually get a couple dozen for a fishing trip. Sometimes a dozen's plenty, but a couple dozens makes it a whole lot more fun. They ain't cheap, so that's one of the bigger issues with shiners. They are kind of expensive. It's not like buying shrimp. Um, if it's going to be rigged that way, I like free lining the best with a circle hook. I'll put a three-aught circle hook on and then hook them up through the top of the nose right above uh, the nostril. Uh, or sometimes I'll tail hook them if I want them to, to uh, jump around or dive, you know, if I twitch on them. It, hooking makes a difference, so you really need to kind of play with it and find out your style if you're going to free line them. And then I free line them as close as I can to an edge, rock, rock structure, drainage pipes, uh, overhanging bushes, anything that's got a little shade on the water, especially on a hot summer day, is ideal. And these fish will eat any time of day. Peacock bass do not care. It doesn't matter if it's early morning, late morning, afternoon, blistering hot, cool. They don't care. They'll eat, especially if you pop a shiner down in the right place. Graduating from that, you go to artificials. And I'll start with spin artificials first. Um, really plain and simple, soft plastics I have found are the best. 
And I typically stick to uh, the the universal colors, one of being one called Junebug. Everybody has a Junebug version. Now, they may all be slightly different, but it's mostly a greenish-purple color, kind of hard, like, like the back of a Junebug. Um, very popular with bass fishermen, with largemouth bass fishermen, and also very popular with peacocks. Um, anything that, that looks like a small swimming bait is, is also good. I have several of these little, um, they're hard to describe. They're pre-weighted bait fish. That's what they look like with a little flat tail on them and a single hook in them. Uh, most of the ones I've been able to find that are really good are made by Cal- Calcutta. And they come in like a tiny little inch and a half length. And then they have one that's three inches long. And I carry both. And those work really great for peacocks. Plus, because they are self-weighted and self-hooked, they cast a little further than, say, throwing a live bait. Um, back to the live bait for a second. I will throw them under floats. So take a regular old uh, egg popping type cork, an egg cork. Uh, put your line underneath the cork. And then put the same hook on, put the shiner on, and use the float. Uh, that's really great when it's kind of breezy and it's hard to make a, an accurate cast with just a shiner on you. The throat, the float will throw a lot better and you can also put that up current because these canals have current in them. They move water constantly because of rain and runoff. Uh, so casting with a float will help you guide a float toward an overhang. And believe you me, the little fish on the end will try to go under there to hide, which is the biggest mistake that little fish has ever made. <laughs> Last thing he's going to do. <laughs> so um, floats are really great. And if you're not real, and you're not a good caster and you're a little shy or timid about throwing a bait, like a lightweight bait like that, then by all means put a float on it and do it that way. Uh, so back to the artificials, the soft plastics again. Darker colors I like. I do use white. Um, now, this is all specific to fishing for peacocks. Uh, clown knife fish, which are highly sought after. You probably do better at night for clown knives. They're not, their daytime activity is there, but they can be very shy in the daylight, whereas they do much better at night. Um, they also will eat shiners. Uh, they'll eat a lot of other artificials too, but uh, they're kind of the prize catch of the exotics right now. They really are. They're so hard to come by. Get on, on the web, look up clown knife, and it's just the most bizarre fish. Um, and then let's see the snakehead, um, for sheer power. The snakehead is, is clearly the top of the three. Um, it absolutely pounds surface baits. It adores frogs. And I throw only one type of artificial frog. <laughs> yeah, bruiser baits. I, I have tried, there are tons of frogs. If you go into a Bass Pro and you go into the aisle, the soft plastics aisle where the frogs are, you're going to find an unbelievable selection. And I'm not saying they don't work. They do. I mean, there's all kinds of them that I've thrown at, at largemouth bass. But for fishing um, this particular, this, you know, particular species, the snakeheads, um, that the bruiser, it's a heavy frog. It's got enough flotation in it where it stays on the surface. I usually put a twist hook in it. No, one of those hooks that's got the um, uh, the little corkscrew at the front and screws into the front, and then the hook pops into the back. Uh, I don't generally use weight. There's no need for it in most cases. Sometimes the snakeheads will be down a little lower, and you want the want the frog to sink for a second or to just kind of settle. 
I mean, frogs don't drown. You know, you know what I'm saying? They just, they, the back end of them will settle down. So sometimes you might need a little weight for that. But the bruiser, the bruiser bait frogs, uh, they're called the kicking frog. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you that. The kicking frog is their trade name. Three main colors. I use moonlight, which is a, an off-white looking thing. Summer craw, which is kind of a green grass color. Not really chartreuse, just kind of a green grass color. And then my favorite is one called lily pad, which lily pad is kind of their June bug. It's a purplish thing with green flash in it. Um, those three work really well. And accordingly on whatever day, bright sunny days, I, I typically go with the lighter baits, the, the green and the white, the, the moonlight. And then on the darker and overcast day, I will immediately throw on the uh, lily pad. Uh, you do when it comes to snakehead, they're they're edge fish. They love the edge of canals. They very rarely, or or edge of docks or structure. Basically, they do not. I'm not saying they won't. Of course, nothing's won't in fishing, <laughs> but they they like that edge, uh, especially a good drop off edge with like a rock ledge of some type in these canals. And I work it right down the edge. So in other words, your cast. If you're right handed, I'm going to face left and cast it right down the canal edge as best I can or a good underhand cast if I'm going to cast right a little trickier but once that frog's in the water let's you know the hook is buried so the hook is is in the rubber so the chance of snagging are pretty low uh you just work it like a frog and when I say work it like a frog I'm talking bump up and hesitate for a bit and then hesitate and hesitate a little bit longer and then move it and a lot of times that that last little it'll surprise the bejeebers out of you when those things hit they are it's a they are a voracious fish and fun to catch I mean really really fun don't ever gill them or lip them warning yeah net only handle them carefully they've got all kinds of lovely little sp- spiny things in their gills and in their just don't just don't do it bass fishermen have a tendency to grab a lot of stuff by lip don't do that with exotics uh the peacock you can the peacock's got a mouth mouth just like a bass it'll or like a snook it'll it'll rough up your thumb when you're when you're holding it um and they do wiggle a lot when you start to lip them so they'll they'll put the rub on the thumb of course that's your you know, that's what you show off when you get home, you know, or to your buddies, you know, over the beer, you hold your thumb up and show them, you know, oh man, you got some peacocks today or yeah. So, so anyway, that is, that's my beta choice for that particular fish. The rest of them shiners, um, play around with, with artificials. Almost all these fish will eat some sort of artificial, but I have found that the smaller seems to work better than big. So a lot of times in saltwater fishing, you know, for like a sea trout, we'll throw something that's five, six inches long. I find it's much, much better to throw like a three-inch bait toward most of these exotic fish. Yes, you can use worms. Yes, you can use lizards. If you're a bass fisherman and you've got things that work for you that you like and you rig them like Carolina rigs or whatever, do it. You know, if it's, if you feel comfortable with that, do it. You may be able to work it better than I do. I'm not a huge freshwater fisherman. My freshwater experience is up in Kentucky with smallmouth bass and largemouth. I didn't, I don't focus on those down. Well, there's no smallmouth here to focus on, but I don't focus on largemouth here, but I focus on exotics because I literally live in a neighborhood where they're in our canals near us. So it's not hard to go get one here. Um, there are other exotics, by the way, um, uh, which I should I'll, I'll obviously mention. There are Mayan cichlids, which is kind of like an oversized panfish, uh, beautiful in color, kind of orangey, and some are dark. I mean, it very, depends on where they are, but they have this this really nice little orangey, reddish look about them. 
uh, pretty vicious little fish. Uh, bite the hell out of you if you're not careful. Uh, <laughs> um, Oscars. Oh my gosh, I used to catch Oscars a lot. Um, if 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 these sound familiar, they should because the reason these fish are here are because of aquarium owners who dumped their aquarium when they decided they didn't want the fish anymore. Instead of taking it back to the pet store and letting the pet store resell it or send it on to another pet store where somebody might be interested in it or to a facility that might want larger fish in it, you know, for display purposes, restaurants, things like that. They took them out and dumped them in the canal in the backyard. Well, in Florida, you just don't do that because guess what? everything survives if it can find food. And what they do is they start eating each other. And next thing you know, you have really, really large specimens. So the Oscar is one in particular. I had them in a freshwater tank years ago when I lived in Kentucky. And I would feed them little, like cichlid food, which looks like, um, I don't know, like cat num-nums. There's, you know, it's a hard food. You drop in the water and they gobble it down. They would grow to whatever aquarium you had them in. One aquarium I had was 55 gallons. They would get just so big. Another aquarium I had was 135 gallons. They'd get a lot bigger. So you can imagine what happens when you put them into a canal. <laughs> they get really big. And they are voracious. And they are really great fighters. So you'll run into those. Oscars, uh, the Mayan cichlids are the same way. They kind of grow to their surroundings. Um, and then the one I mentioned a little bit earlier, the Midas cichlid, is just amazing. It's it's bright orange. It's the craziest looking thing you've ever seen. If you go on the web, people have pictures of catching them, especially over here in in uh, in South Florida. Uh, so that's another one that was an aquarium fish. And there are many, many others. Now, FWC, this is the rule that people have a hard time with. They do not want you to put any of these back in the water except for peacock bass. The other fish are considered invasives. They eat resident fish. They eat things that belong here, whether it's lizards, frogs, snakes, whatever that should be here in, in this normal environment, and they want them gone. So when you catch one, you're supposed to just toss them up on the bank. Um, I know it sounds heartless, but that's what you're supposed to do. I don't always do it. I don't know. I have a real problem with that, but... I do know in some of the canals that I've fished, you've got raccoons hanging around, and they know that you're supposed to do that, and they're very happy to help you dispose of those fish. So don't feel like you know you're you're doing something real awful or anything. It kind of goes against the grain of us. I'm a saltwater fisherman. Everything now is almost catch and release for us. I mean, we catch food fish, but everything else we put back in the water, and we've been very careful about that. Same thing with largemouth bass fishermen. For years and years on TV, these these guys that that do all these tournament things and the ones that you watch on television, those guys are always quick to show you how they're releasing the fish back in the water. So that's that's the that's the mode. Uh, but unfortunately, with these invasives, it's really not. So please keep that in mind. Um, and as I mentioned before, the peacock. Please release the peacocks. The gear to have on hand besides obviously rod, reel, line, and all that fun stuff, leader and things, a, a pair of clippers, a pair of pliers, a net would be a really good idea for some of these fish because you really don't want to lip or handle them if you if you don't have to. Uh, they've got sharp spines in weird places, let's put it that way. Mine cichlids will stick you pretty good. They've got a spine down on their belly that'll get you. Um, anyway, be careful when you're handling the fish. Uh, I take a little first aid kit with me with some alcohol in it so I can rub in case I, somebody stabs me. I'm, I don't trust freshwater canals all that much for what might be in that canal. And I, and I honestly, I won't eat anything out of a canal. I just won't do it. But uh, I also carry um, some alcohol with me, uh, rubbing type stuff or, or those, those pads. So if you get, you get nicked or cut, you might want to rub it just, just to be on the safe side. 
Um, earlier I mentioned kind of the locales, but not the actual like where to go. Um, if you're if you're fishing on this coast, almost any canal has everything I mentioned in it. As you go further north, it'll be less. Uh, there are some really outstanding catches catches happening now by Jupiter, Florida, which is a pretty good ways up the coast. Palm Beach County, anywhere in the Palm Beaches. Lake Ida is a known area for peacocks. Excellent fishing at Lake Ida. As you go south and you start to get into the canal systems around us, uh, Middle River and all these little rivers are good. The only problem is a lot of these rivers are tidal, so you're not going to get a peacock in a tidal area. The Mayan cichlids don't seem to care as much. They will definitely get into an area that's more brackish or the salinity is a little higher, but peacocks just won't tolerate it. So you have to move inland a bit. Um, in, in my county, in Broward County, the best places are going all the way in over toward, uh, there's a north-south road called Flamingo, uh, Crossroads of Griffin, uh, Pines Boulevard, those running out toward the Everglades. Um Big peacocks. Uh, if you go out and rent a boat uh, out on the Everglades edges, there's a, a couple of places over here on, on our coast that that, uh, that have rental boats for fishing. Uh, you can go out into the lower Everglades area, and voila, you'll find you'll find peacocks. Now, one of the interesting things about the locations for peacocks is a lot of times you're going to find tarpon and snook in the same area. Tarpon and snook, small tarpon and large snook are tolerant of fresh water, uh, and they will move completely out of saltwater areas to feed. So it's not unusual to go into an area and catch, uh, especially in more open area, not so much a canal, but a larger open area, and get on a peacock or two, and then all of a sudden get a snook, and then see a tarpon roll nearby. So it, it absolutely does happen. And especially if you're tossing those live shiners, I don't know much of anything that won't eat a live shiner. The same thing's true as you travel down into Miami-Dade County, which is basically Miami proper, all the way down into Homestead and south into the Redlands. Any of those inland waters that are not connected to salt, do not have push-in, say, from Key Biscayne or something like that, you're going to find peacocks in there, as well as all the other things I mentioned. Uh, and obviously, the further south you go, the warmer it stays in the water. The warmer stay water, bleh. The warmer the water, yeah, the warmer the water stays. Whew, what a mouthful. <laughs> Anyhow, you get it. Um, they're, they're everywhere down in there. Again, look for likely spots. Um, and I, I'll say it one more time. Shiners, live shiners. If you really want the experience and get into it, do that. There are guides. I'm not going to mention names because there's too many of them, and I don't want to side up with any one person because guess what? I haven't been out with a peacock guide yet, but it's I've got it planned. I absolutely have it planned that I'm going to do that this summer. Um, there are lots of guys online. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They've got pictures of, of their customers holding uh, peacock bass up. If it's on your bucket list and you want to get one, I would by all means call one of these guys that fishes, fishes them on a regular basis. You'll have no trouble finding a guide over here in South Florida. That That's absolutely for sure. Um, Hopefully this is giving you some insight, giving you some ideas on something you can do. Those windy days that we had when the water was blowing off the Atlantic at 25 or 30 miles an hour, guess what? The canals are canals. They're the surface or the, or the upper levee of the canals are typically eight or nine feet above water level. So you have a kind of a, a ditch, if you will. And if you're facing in the right direction, you can avoid the wind and still get out there and do a little fishing. 
Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend and share it on social media or leave a review. Catch You Outdoors hosted by Anchor and available via Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our Facebook page is Catch You Outdoors. Our website is CatchYouOutdoors.com. Until next time, get outdoors and enjoy. Enjoy.